last time in Serendipity City. While investigating the whereabouts of Wyatt, a missing member of the local anarchist collective, the crew finds out that his apartment has been ransacked with three names standing out in the mess of papers, Narvi, Monte Amano, and Blair Metal. After that, they head to the speakeasy known for being the after-work hangout for the Blair Metal factory workers. Somehow, Charles manages to talk his way into the speakeasy, after which Vex and Nancy use a, their trademark combination of magic and charm to find some of Wyatt's former co-workers and learn from them that Wyatt was using the alias of Newton at the factory, that there's a sleazy manager named Merrill Warwick, and that Wyatt, a.k.a. Newton, disappeared a few weeks ago. Let's catch up with the crew and find out what they learn next. Dolores greets you at the door. She eyes you all over. Nancy, I'm assuming based on what we've established so far, Nancy is... I've had like two sips of a drink. Yes. (laughs) And y'all other two are fucked up. Okay, no. Let's be fair. Like, Vex has been drinking heavily since she was like 12. So she can hold her liquor. But you've also been doing drugs. She can hold her drugs too. Because she's also been doing drugs for a very long time. I think that she is tipsy, but she is not like fucking like, she's not like, you wouldn't just look at her and be like, that girl is drunk, but maybe if she opened her mouth. Okay, well, Charlie uh, is, is like fine, but you look at him and he's got kind of like, he's got sleepy eyes and he's, he's like holding his mouth in a way that he's about to make a fart sound. <laughs> <laughs> kind of pouty mouth, you know? And like, you can tell he's tired, you can tell he's fucked up. But he's still a pretty bright dude for, like, an old clock-making son of a bitch. (laughs) Well, so, I'm assuming Dolores probably knows both of you uh, well enough to know that you've been imbibing. I walk up to Dolores and I hold up my flask and I'm like, Dolores, honey. Please tell me you washed it first, though. (laughs) I try to give Dolores a kiss and she slaps me on the face. (laughs) She probably, like... You start walking towards her with your face stuck out, and she does that, like, childhood bully move where she sticks her hand on your forehead and just, like, holds you at arm's length. And then again, I just go, typical. Yes. And then she, like, ushers you off into a corner. Is that your catchphrase? My catchphrase is typical. <laughs> Mine is, I gotta take a shit. <laughs> this is typical. I don't have one right now. Yes. It'll, 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 it'll happen. It'll coalesce. I take the flask and I like basically just like wipe it off with my my shirt and then I go up to Dolores and I'm like Dolores honey how you doing tonight it's been okay it's been kind of a mess since you guys left but it's pretty much a mess every night around this time so any kind of special mess you've been seeing and not a special mess just a drunk mess all right well do you think you can uh top me off you and I wiggle the flask in her face yeah sure what do you want what's your poison tequila honey you know me she gives you your flask back and also gives you like a cup with like three lime wedges in it because she knows that's how you like it oh you damn dolores just damn <laughs> you're always there damn, for me son. damn she, dolores you're always there for me she winks at you and says yeah i try and then kind of like like sh- like not rudely but like gently like shoes you guys away like yeah i got work to do like i love you guys but also i have work to do um so i guess we go into the back room where our like little hideout is yeah you can go in the back room you can sit in a corner and like bar bar or, like whatever all right um so uh i take my flask and and at this point i think we're all a little tired like we've done a lot of shit today i think that we should probably call it a night and reconvene in the morning i'm like i say you know all right, guys. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna go back to my to my flat, and but I'll I'll see y'all here in the morning, 
And then I go outside and I go, and here comes Bugsy. And I'm like, hey, Bugsy, what do you got on a Narvi? Roll your research. Fuck. What is it? Three. Three plus what's your mind? One, four. (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant your mind was four. And I was like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) No, three plus one, four. Yeah, so. Yay, math. He don't know shit. He does say, so actually, so for a six minus, um, I answer your question and then do something off screen that I'm not going to tell you about. So, yeah, so he's like, he thinks about it for a minute and he's like, I don't know specifics, but I'm pretty sure that's a dwarf name. I don't think that's the Fae and I don't think that's the Shifters. So it's probably the dwarfs. You're going to have to go underground to get more information on that one. All right. I mean, literally underground, not like metaphorical underground, like the caves. No shit. I'm yeah, just I think we all sure. got I that. I know, where, I know where the dwarves stay, Bugsy. I don't know if you know metaphors. You know what? I just, you know, you just need to give me the information. I don't need any sort of fucking judgment from you. I wasn't judging. Oh, I don't need your lip or your sass. Uh, all right. Thanks, Bugsy. And I flip him a coin, but I catch it before he does. Oh, no. and then I hold it it out for him he goes to catch it and then when you catch it first he like gives you a like an affronted look and then you hold it out and he like and it's two coins yeah okay and so he sees that it's two coins and he takes it and looks at you and he says yeah thanks I'll see you back at the hideout Bugsy takes the two coins and like smile like genuinely smiles which is not super common for him because he's like kind of snarky all the time he just like smiles at you and he's like okay thanks and like runs off down the street and I say smell you later he like stops at the end of the street and looks back and like waves kind of he's like I don't know if that was a nice thing and I don't know what to say but okay bye Uh, I'm already inside I don't give a shit what he thinks (laughs) do Um, I get any NPCs no Fuck. Just not me. until you level up. Oh. Um, what happens that? Actually. You don't get to level up. <laughs> not until you level up, but you don't get to level up. Wait a second. Oh. So that was Vex's ending scene. So it's the end of the night. How do you go home? Okay. Charles. Because <clears throat> I live in this fucking building, right? Or do I, I not? I think. I'm assuming. Let's say you have an apartment above the washmaker's shop. That makes sense to me. Okay. Clockmakers. Clock repair. Right. Because watches weren't really a thing. Men. Anyway, uh, Close. maybe they Lock, were. Uh, no, you don't uh, know. Pocket watches. Pocket watches were exactly. Um, so let's see what we got here. <laughs> so I walk over to Loris and I say, uh, "What do I owe you? Do I got a tab going? What do I need to do? What's going on?" <laughs> hey, baby, what are you doing tonight? I just want to know. You know, <laughs> every question you ask, she goes to answer, and then you keep talking, so she stops, and, <laughs> and you finish your string of questions, and she says, "It's good." Fox said that as long as you only drink a reasonable amount in a night, you're covered. I think tonight is a reasonable night, so you can go. Okay. All but right. you can always tip. All right. Well, here's a here's a tip. Thanks for that. So I'm going to go up to my apartment. So I go up to my apartment, right? I mean, my door opens, door closes. All right. I like survey my things and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> and I go to bed. <laughs> Okay. What does Fancy do after everybody decides to turn in and have their existential thoughts? <laughs> I can't. I can't even with a wonderful world over here. I don't, I don't know. What, what is life? Thank you. I don't, I'm, I'm dead. Um, <laughs> I just died. Um, hmm, does she go? What time is it now? It's probably like, I'm going to say like 2.33 in the morning. 
233 is very specific. 233 in 30 seconds. I meant 232. I know, I'm giving you shit. Smart ass. You're right, I am very smart and I've got a great ass. Juicy. (laughs) Um, Did you look at my pants? Obviously. (laughs) You just saw that I'm wearing pants that say juicy on the ass. That's where he got that. Yeah. She's a juicy wizard. (laughs) Adventure zone. Yeah. It would have taken you for more of a Betsy Johnson wizard, but whatever. (laughs) That was a very... Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to. That was a direct. I mean, it's an homage. We love, we love the Adventure Zone. Yes. Okay. It's great. It's great stuff. I'm just gonna go home, I guess. It's the next day, which means that your migraine is now gone, so you can go ahead and remove that harm from your character sheet. Okay. Um, I think like 3 p.m. We should we could do like a scene of like how each of us are come like feeling. Yeah. The next so let's day. do a mini scene. Let's say you're all gonna reconvene at the speakeasy because that's your like criminal headquarters. And we can do like a mini scene with each of you as you wake up and get around and get to the speakeasy. Starting with you, Charles. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well what happens when you wake up at three PM the next day? Or oh, okay. probably before okay. three okay. PM. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. The sun kinda like has been beating on my face for two hours now. I can't stand it anymore. I get up, I get some water, I'm thirsty. I'm so fucking thirsty and I'm like okay that's enough fucking water for today <laughs> <laughs> fucking water <laughs> is that Lou? <laughs> and uh see what's see what's popping off and uh maybe that's popping off that that hot 20 slang <laughs> the stuff that's popping off maybe they've got tacos mm. <laughs> oh no tacos. no let's definitely yes yes De- definitely they have tacos definitely the speakeasy has like a little tiny kitchen in the corner and they make some sick barbacoa tacos. Absolutely. Cause that's what I need right now. I need it real bad right now. Yeah. Like IRL. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go to the speakeasy. I'm going to check out Dolores and I'm going to try to keep my headache from being difficult for me to be wordsy, charming thingy. See tacos how that happened there. Or liquor. Trying to well, be a cake eater. Over I just there? want, uh, you know, I just can't look bad in front of Dolores. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter that. I live in the same building as a place where you can buy alcohol. I just want to be okay. Can I get some tacos? Well, luckily, Dolores is not the one who gives tacos. Give me the tacos. That is. Miguel makes you some sick barbacoa tacos. And they're like, there's that delightful green salsa. They got a big old chunk of avocado. They're crispy on one side and fatty on the other. Fresh onions. Fresh onions. Corn tortillas. Yeah. Let's do this. Man, now I want some barbacoa tacos. Okay, Charles, so you get some sick barbacoa tacos. Now, uh, Vex, what do you do? What's your morning like? Okay, Vex wakes up. Um, she lives in a, a small, shitty flat. Because, uh, you know, everything around here is shitty. Um, and but it's not greasy, contrary to what Charles would have <laughs> you believe. She walks over to uh, her little apothecary that she has. Um, and she pulls out her laudanum bottle that she keeps on her. Um and you know checks the how much she's got and gives it a little bit of a top off just in case she doesn't know how the day's gonna go and uh she jumps in the shower and in the shower she's singing very loudly it's raining man (laughs) hallelujah it's raining man so when she's done with her shower she gets out uh she towels off and gets ready for her day at this point it's about like 30. She lives kind of like down the street from the speakeasy, so it's like a 10 minute walk. And she walks outside. And when she's outside, she sees there's like a bunch, like, so she has Bugsy, but there's like a bunch of like these little like homeless basically kids that like hang out in her neighborhood. Um, and uh, she 
pulls out like from her pocket she pulls out like a loaf of bread and like a couple apples and like hands them out just kind of helping them out and then you know walks on her way to the speakeasy um when she gets in there she says she walks into the speakeasy and she walks up to dolores and she's like damn dolores uh, she gives you a two-finger wave as like she says hey and she's like hey and so i walk up to the bar and i'm like How's your morning going? Pretty good. It's been a little dead in here, as per usual, given that it's uh, it's not really our prime hours yet. I'm already here, right? Am I here? <laughs> yes. you're, you're over in the corner eating some tacos. I thought so. Some soft-shell tortilla tacos. And I say, uh, can I get a Bloody Mary? Yeah, sure, I can do that, hun. And then she uh, goes over. She'd probably say doll, not hun. Hun is, like, too Southern. Uh, that's just my background sneaking in. She's like, yeah, sure, doll. And she goes back and uh, makes you a Bloody Mary. It's got like a mm, celery and olive. One of those. Uh, what? Nothing. I'm thinking about my favorite Bloody Marys. Oh, that's cool. Do some it. Some bacon. Some. She's. It's got some. It's got a way fancier amount of garnish than you expect for this kind of place. She's doing it just because she likes you and gives you like a very nice Bloody Mary. And I say, "Damn, Dolores, you're such a doll." And I flip her a coin. And but like a big coin, so a it's like coin, not a bitcoin, <laughs> a big coin. Got so it. it's not like a, it's not like like I gave Bugsy two middle sized coins. I give her a big coin, so it's like a dollar. Yeah. Um, and then I go walk over to see Charlie. Yeah, she catches the coin midair and winks at you, and then goes back to doing her. So Vex sits down shit. with me, huh? So Vex sits down with me, and I'm like, Yo, Vex, I really feel like Dolores likes you better than me because <laughs> she's giving you. That's just because you ain't got my style. <laughs> I'm. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> That's all. That's all I just wanted to say. You just gotta. You just gotta quit being so thirsty. I could have showered too. That could have helped. I noticed in your monologue <laughs> you showered when you helps. got up, and I didn't shower. I just went to go get tacos. So I'm <laughs> gross as shit. Just don't be so thirsty, and she'll like you. Fuck it. Our <laughs> listeners are already shipping you guys. So I hope the listeners are shipping Vex and Dolores. <laughs> Oh, so one thing that I wanted to ask that's so this is like sort of out of the current timeline. Can you tell me what's your apothecary like? So like, tell me about your apartment and your apothecary and how those two things fit together. And also like where the portal comes in, because I believe you have a portal to another world in your sanctum. I thought that the portal was like something that I could. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my apothecary is like one of those old roll top desks. Um, so I've got like a small apartment. Um, the living room is not like a regular living room. It's more like a, a, a workspace or like some people would call it like a craft room, except for it's like a magical craft room. Um, so in, uh, the middle, I have like a, um, enchanting table, um, where I can enchant things. Um, and then in one side of the room, I have a, it's a roll top desk, but it's a very tall kind of roll top desk. Um, and depending on, what I want when I open it, it opens to something different. So one time that I can open it as an apothecary or I can open up to an actual roll or an actual desk. Um, and that's, that's based on my magic. Um, and then, um, the portal is actually in my bedroom and, uh, same kind of deal. I can open it. Uh, it's a wardrobe. And so I can either open it up to my clothing or I can open it up to a portal to another dimension. And wouldn't y'all like to know what that other dimension is? Where do you get your fucking furniture? (laughs) 
I enchanted on my enchanting table after oh, I buy it. Oh, it's like Ethan Allen or something. <laughs> it's a uh, it's West Elm. <laughs> Retro it, Ethan Allen. We give you magical shit. Yeah, there you it's go. Abrica <laughs> instead of IKEA. <laughs> My mouth is gaping. <laughs> so, Nancy, what's Nancy's morning like? Um, she gets up, gets dressed, and heads on over there. I mean, she didn't have running water in her place. So. Yes, yeah, so we're not showering. It's no. all good. <laughs> it's an abandoned you won't building. You're the only gross we're one. We're crew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the we'll grungy like fucking greaser one, and I'm the only one who took a shower. <laughs> So I'm like I'm like a fashion goth. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is not canon. That's cool. Have you seen the memes with the cats as goths? Yes. You're the fluffy, pretty black cat. Sparkle goth. Yes. <laughs> Evan's like, I don't know what's going on. No, I don't, but I, guess but I, I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, so y'all are at the speakeasy. You meet up. You're sitting back in your corner booth that's like, your designated booth, like everybody who goes there regularly knows not to sit there because that's where you sit. But sometimes every like every now and then somebody new comes in and decides to sit there and you have to walk up and you're like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but that's kind of our place. You're in our seat. But you see that there? It has my name on it. It says fancy back there. <laughs> yeah. So everybody. So you're at your booth. Oh, what are you talking about? So I'll just start. I'll just start. Did you, uh, did you talk to uh, whoever it is you talk to when you sneak off? Um, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Am I talking about? <laughs> but I was kind of thinking about it. Okay. When I went home, I was laying in bed alone, not talking to nobody, because okay. I don't know nobody. Okay. That's <laughs> not, not true. Narvi. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I'm somebody. Jeez. <laughs> Narvi. <laughs> Narvi kind of sounds like a, a dwarf name to me. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. At first, okay. I, first I can I was, hear that. First, I was thinking Faye, right? But now I'm thinking that's a dwarf name for sure. I was thinking it might be an animated fish. <laughs> <laughs> Finding Narvi. Finding Narvi. Finding Narvi. <laughs> but then a dwarf, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense of X, and I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking we got to figure out. We got to go down. We got to go down there. Down the, there? Down there. To the caves. You know how much I hate going down there. They're just so fucking annoying. They're always working. They're always talking about and singing about work. No, I, I know a dwarf, um, but he's kind of, I don't know, he's he, he's kind of, uh, what's the word, like skittish. So I don't know, I don't know if I should bring everybody with me, but I think I, I need to go talk to the, talk to my friend Henlo, the dwarf. Is he cousin to Skilo? <laughs> no, Skrillex. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I, I think I think that uh, what I want to I want to I want to go talk to my friend Henlo and see what he's got going on and see if he knows who Navi is. But you know, it's going to be weird if I bring a whole bunch of people with me. I'm not really excited to go into the caves, so I'm I'm happy to not. Not my not my all that dirt. <laughs> Darkness. Fancy, what, what should we do? You want to do something else? Should we just yeah, let's let's go do something else. Um, uh, what else? What other lead did we have? Yeah, let's look at our notes. You got Monty. Did you bring uh, your notes? I brought my notes. Oh yeah, we should maybe find out about who Monty is. That's. I like how Nancy is like the seductress fortune teller, and yet has somehow kind of wound up as the responsible <laughs> one of the group. 
The one that's not doing. No, no. This is sort of like a race, like between me and you. It's like the race to to who is the, is the most scummy. <laughs> like, just like, and I'm all like high class, being like, guys, no, let's, let's not do that. I'm about to do some crocodile. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, mean? like generally, the people you assume are high class are the ones doing the best drugs. True. <laughs> so, you guys, what lead do you want to investigate? There was. We'll, we'll switch back and forth um, so that you aren't like just left sitting alone for hours at a time. So there was um, Monty... Amaro. Amaro. And Meryl. And Meryl. Meryl, who was the manager. Not the boss boss, um, but the manager. There was also... And then there's Narby, who Vex is going to investigate. What? Stop laughing at me. I'm sorry. Thank you. Not sorry. Thank you for your sincere apology. I'm going to ignore the second half. <laughs> okay, so we do have we do have various leads to go on. Mm-hmm. Do you fancy want to do them together, or do we split up? This is the second time I'm asking about splitting up. <laughs> Am I still here? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think you're all discussing this. Yeah, yeah we haven't said goodbye yet. I think yet, you're no? all figuring out what your battle plan is, like, at this table in the bar. You're all figuring out what you're going to do yeah. to... Figure what? out. Well, what's here's going here's on. my thing: is I don't. We don't really know who Monty is, but we know who Meryl is. We know where he works. We know what he does. I think that's the way to go, Monty. I he could be anybody, but he could definitely be somebody much more dangerous than this mild mannered middle manager we know. Yeah, but middle managers can you know sometimes be um, disgruntled and they do weird things. You just don't ever know. Look, this is what I was thinking. This is why. I could go to Merrill and see if I could ask about finding a job because apparently they lost some coworkers lately, and you know maybe there's some openings, and I could do that. That I mean, go for it if you want to work for a living. <laughs> Don't I? Anyway, whatever. Uh, I just think uh, I think that would be a thing I could do. I could go find Merrill, inquire about a job, ask about whatever, and then maybe I can zap him because I haven't used my glove yet. <laughs> That's true. We haven't had any combat yet. I know. I can summon el- the elements, so... That sounds dope. I can zap everybody. Like Storm from X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Fancy, what are you going to do? Well, yeah, I can't just show up with you if you go and do that. We could apply could as a team. We could both go undercover. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of the flirt and give me a drink kind of gal. You should go back to the Black Rabbit. You could figure out who Monty is. I could. But How? You mean like transportation wise? You might you might want to go to the the ritzy side of town and start asking around. I could do that, or I could call my contacts and see if there's any kind of things going on. That you could fun. do that. You could. Hmm, that doesn't sound reassuring, Dungeon Master over there. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, there's a move. There's a move for that. I think we have a plan. I think so too. Should we do our secret handshake? We do a very complicated secret handshake that ends in us doing like full body windmills. Oh, I thought I thought that what we would do is sort of do like sequential like hip to butt kind of bumps. Like, oh, that's definitely in there. Yeah. Did, did we keep those papers? Which papers that were half? Burned? Oh, probably. I'm assuming. Did one of you guys pick up the burned dossiers? Dossiers. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we got them. We, you don't remember idiots. us telling you is that? that what Let's you're say. There's something in those fucking dossiers. I just like saying dossiers. 
Also, well, it, sounds well, like I the, do have, it sounds like a way more 20s version of folders. I do have where I can touch an object and examine it and ask, like, the history and, like, who this object belongs to. So, if he stole it from Meryl or from Monty, mm-hmm. that would make sense. But if it just ends up to him, I feel like I would have wasted a move. So, how do you vex? How do you normally get in contact with the dwarves? Uh, making my way downtown. Walking fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Continue with the, uh, what is that? Uh, That's not Michelle Branch. There it is. That's a Carlton. Uh, So I'm making my way downtown, walking fast. Face is passed, and I'm dwarf bound. I love you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, I I think that um, Henlow has, like, a above ground, like, shop. Where, you know, like, he's like the foreman, you know? So he's got, like, an above ground where, like, people have to check in and out for their shifts and... um, So sort of like a slightly more modern blacksmith shop or... No, more like, you know, like, whenever you're seeing... You watch a movie and they're, like, a construction crew. There's, like, a trailer that's, like, the manager's trailer. I think it's also in Shameless, but, like, um, people that do construction, there's, like... They're, like, on a site, but there's, like, a trailer where the manager has, like, all the paperwork and stuff. Yeah. So, it's kind of like that, but it's above ground. Because, like, I'm assuming that you have to, like, go down to the mines. Yeah. So, there's a network of caves. There's, like, uh, full cities underneath the caves. It's not just mines. Or underneath the caves. Underneath the city. It's not just mines down there. There's, I mean, there's cities. There's living residences. There's shoppings. There are full populations of magical people who live underneath the... Uh, underneath the caves on both sides of the river. So it's not it's not just mines down there. Okay. Um, okay, well then, um, how do people normally get down there? Like, is it suspicious for me to be going down there? Like, do- I don't think it's suspicious. Um, I will say you've been on there before. Yes? Yeah. You've been on there before? Okay, yeah. Me and Henlo have a working relationship. Yeah, so you and Henlo, there's an entrance down here near the mountains that are south of the city. There's an entrance in the Sacred Grove, and there's an entrance, like, over here near the river. So, I mean, probably the fastest would be for me to go to the Sacred Grove. Yeah, and I think that makes sense because I believe we mentioned in the, during the links section of the world building session that you helped or were adjacent to one, somebody in the crew worked with something on the sacred grove so it would make the most sense for there to be you you went toward you went through the entrance to the sacred okay. grove so all right so um i am not gonna do it again but uh okay so i make my way downtown walking fast faces pass and i'm dwarf bound and uh i go to the sacred grove and um i'm probably pretty familiar with the sacred grove because of you know i probably go there to get things for my apothecary and yeah things like that yeah so it's it's a very large um i'm thinking of it like a secret garden yeah so the city is huge by like american standards um it's it's very densely populated but it's also but it's also a very very big city so think like new york city but possibly even denser populated if that's like possible for you to imagine um it's got and the sacred grove is a pretty big park within the city that people like the the normies don't go there because it's very clearly magical and they don't want to fuck with that so there's like a huge forest really big trees like redwood scale there's also gardens and i'm thinking that so it's like central park in the 70s basically you don't fuck with it yeah too dark right (laughs) 
Or in the daytime. That seems fair. So at some, like, near, at some point, like, near sort of the outskirts, I don't think it makes sense for it to be, like, deep in the center of the grove. Um, But around the outskirts, there's, like, an entrance to the caves underground. So I'm assuming you just, like, head down there. and Just head down there, making my way downtown. Walking fast. To the downtown. (laughs) To the dwarfs. So since you've already been there, like, and this specific entrance, um... There are a couple of magical safeguards, but you navigate them pretty easily because you've been there before. And you are in the residential area of the underground. Uh, do you know where Hanlon lives or do you normally meet him at like a bar or other place? Um, I think that I normally meet him where he works because like that's our relationship. Um, and it is like at this point, probably like 3, 3.30 p.m. So he's probably at work. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to go to the place where he works and try to find him. Yeah. So there's a big, um, like, mining operation, and you find him near that. Not in, like, like, in the equivalent of, like, the foreman's trailer that you were talking about. It's not a literal trailer because it's underground. Um, he's just kind of, like, off to the side sort of supervising, giving directions. Somebody occasionally runs up to him with a question, and he, like, gives them instructions, and then they run off again. This is the scene in uh, Law and Order where there's the guy like stacking boxes while they're right. asking him questions. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. 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 So like you walked up to him and he's like, "Oh, hey, Vex, what can I do you for?" Do I need to roll? Um, probably. Let me check. There is a roll for this, which I had remembered a second ago, and then I forgot because I got so preoccupied with the world. We'll do the interaction. Um, but He'll tell first, me what to roll. What we're gonna do? Yeah. So go ahead and roll, and we're gonna roll with mind. Eight. Okay. So you get two of these questions and we'll sort of like work this out within play. Who's pulling your character's strings? Who's pulling Narvi's strings? Um, what's your character's beef with blank? What's your character hoping to get from blank? How could I get your character to blank? What does your character work worry might happen? Okay. Hiya, Henlo. How's it going? I mean, we're pretty good. We're just we're just busy. What's what's up with you? He's like talking to you, but also like directing other people. Which- Listen, I got a problem. I- I'm looking for a dwarf. Yeah, which which you, dwarf? You think you could help me out? Uh, I'm looking for a, a Navi. Yeah, I uh, I think I know who you're talking about. Who are you talking about? I mean, uh, wh- I don't know. I'm asking you. Wh- why? Well, so uh, why do you want to know him? Well, I-, I just heard that he was the one to talk to. I got I got a. I'm, I'm, I'm on a job. You know, I'm on a job. I'm always on a job. And, uh, you I know, know, you're always on a job. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean him no harm. I'm just trying to just trying to talk to him. Just trying to figure out some information. Um, just trying to, you know, see if I can if I if I can get what I need out of him. And that is not supposed to be like in any sort of like threatening way. Don't think that I'm trying to hurt him. I'm not trying to hurt him. I, I mean, I know you. I know you wouldn't hurt him without without good reason. I mean, I could hurt him. Yeah, you could hurt him. We've all seen your magical extending wizard staff. You don't have to pull rank around here. All right, I'm just saying, Henlo. Can you help me or not? Yeah, I can help you. Okay, what do you want to know about Narvi? Well, who does he work for? <sighs> Narvi. So here's the thing about Narvi. He does a lot of freelance work. He's uh, he's not super loyal to anyone. He, the person he's most loyal to is the one who's going to pay him at the moment. Uh, he, uh, you know, we don't look too kindly about the people who work with the... Uh, you know, the the normal types. All oh, the old normies. Who fuck the normies? Yeah, and Narmi Narmi will take Narmi will take the money from the normies as long as 
as long as he gets paid okay. And so have you been seeing him working with the Normie? Yeah, he's been he's been working with some of the companies. He's been working with the with the I, I think their name is Blair Blair Metal something smelting, which is even worse because you know we do a better job than any of those humans could possibly. Oh hell yeah, Henlo! What? Why would you even? Everybody knows dwarf metal. Dwarf smelting is the best out there. It's the best, and yet Narvi's over here talking with these fucking humans. That's a like fucking. They know what's going on? He's in. He's that's an insult, Henlo. It's an insult to the rest of us who are working hard every day, and Narvi's over here. Uh, but well, I think I need to have a talk with Navi. Do you know where he is? Because I got your back on this. So, I think he's, uh, yeah, yeah. I can tell you, I, you know, I, I can tell you where you find Narvi. And so he, uh, so Hinlo gives you directions to, Because like, I ain't never gonna let nobody insult my, my, my best pal here, Hinlo. And that's why we love you, Vex. That's why. I'm gonna that's go, why have, I'm gonna go have a talk with this Navi. You just tell me where to find him. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where to find Narvi. You know what? And you can talk to him about how we work so hard, and he goes and tells our secrets to the humans. You preach like they it. Deserve to know. You preach it. Yeah, I got your back. <laughs> so, so, I figured if I got him all like hype, he would be like, "Yeah, yeah he gets." Yeah, he definitely gets like He's excitable. Hyped. Yeah, he definitely gets excitable about how and Narvi is like. Is supposed to be keeping the dwarven secrets, but instead he's selling it out to these like fucking human corporations, these companies who just want to make more money and they don't care about the tr- the trade and the craft. So he gets like really angry and he tells you exactly where you can find Narvi, which is like in the specific spot in the residential districts in the caves. Um, I go there. Yes, <laughs> you go there. And uh, I got Henlo excited. Yeah, you worked. You worked Henlo. <laughs> yeah. Um, Henlo has no chill. <laughs> he has no chill. you don't understand, okay? Henlo is stressed out. He's working with the dwarves all day. He's got a lot of projects to focus on. And then fucking Narvi's up here, like, harshing his chill with all of this, this like, selling his stuff to the humans. I don't want to be like... It's like, out, it's like this dude who, like, really works hard to, like, make some really quality crafts. And then this dude sells the blueprints to China. Right. Right, and it's difficult. It's, it's also difficult to get le- much work done with those short legs. It's like short little legs. Excuse you. You don't weird? need to talk about those short legs. I'm just saying. You seem, you seem really agitated, like you can relate to him. I <laughs> <laughs> I might be 5'2". I did get in a fight on the internet about, with somebody about how I'm not actually short, apparently. Because no, oh my no, god, I, mean I remember about, that like, story. Someone selling your secrets or something, and you work really hard for, and this asshole just comes and like fucks it up. <laughs> no, it's role playing. Oh no, I'm just. <laughs> oh man. Okay. 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 So let's see. You go to Narby's house. Hello, um, straight up gave me his Addy. Yeah, he yeah. was like so irritated by this point with you talking about Narby, and you just like worked him up into a like frothing mess and he straight up gives you his frothing. address huh frothing frothing okay that's a word i mean yeah it's a word you don't know you don't know hello and his struggle and his biology apparently and his biology people froth at the mouth when they get angry okay so you knock on this door and this like this uh like 
short dwarf answers. Is he short for a dwarf or is he just a dwarf? He's extra short for a dwarf. All right, like so he's, he's shorter than normal. All right, and he's maybe making up for it with the shitty attitude. I need to. I need to. I need to turn back. T- I want to turn <laughs> back time. Do, 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 do. If I could channel some magic before I get there. <laughs> Yes, channel your magic. Oh, motherfucker with these rolls. No magic for you. What'd you roll? A three. Oh, no. So I just get one. But I can't channel again this scene. Yeah, which is like, as soon as you go above ground, you'll be fine. Well, I was going to try to fucking intimidate him, but okay. All right. Okay, yeah, so you open the door and... And my holds don't hold over from yesterday, do they? I don't think so, since you've slept since then. Okay, so I knock on the door. And he opens it and he says, uh, can I help you? Hey, you Navi. Uh, who's asking? I'm asking. Yeah, Can't but what's you hear? your name? Why do you want to know? My name is Vex Velmall, and Henlo sent me. Why did Henlo send you? Is he mad? Okay, so listen, the thing is, I sent him that invoice after I did three full days of work for his crew. So I think I'm totally justified in asking him to pay that invoice. I mean... No, he's all good with the invoice. The problem is, is that you're selling trade secrets to the humans. And he knows about it. And that's trademark shit, bro. I mean, trademarks sound like human shit. If you want to start talking about the humans, though. Oh, so you're just you're just gonna throw your race under the fucking mat? Aren't you a human? Yeah. Where are you get off talking to me about my race? I'm not being all backstabby. I'm just trying to help you out because everybody's real pissed, and I'm trying to help you right now. I'm just trying to make some money, and I can help you with that. Well, you know what? All I've been doing is like. <laughs> The humans want to fuck with each other. That's their deal. If I want to help them fuck with each other, that's just me making some money off of what they were going to do anyways. Well, what kind of fucking are we talking about? I mean, listen. Okay, so what you're going to do here is you are going to roll a figure someone out. So roll with mind. Eight. So Okay, I I rolled an eight. So what does that get me? With an eight, you get to ask one of the questions which is one of these questions who's pulling your character strings here it's the questions under figure someone out and you can ask like obviously if there's a more specific version of the question that makes sense in context all right navi but but who who's this human you're working for i you know i'm just trying to get by I, don't, I get it. I get it. I just need a name. If you give me a name, I'll leave you alone. I don't know his name. All I know is that this is someone who was who was working with that that metal company. And what they told me is that they were working there and they were, you know, they're not a fan of the management. And they were selling they were selling this thing from the they were selling the uh what do humans call it? The machinery plans. They were selling these their their plans for their factories. They were talking about expanding, and they were selling that to me. And then I could turn around and sell that to you know other humans. And I don't know if all I know is that I I stopped hearing from them a couple weeks ago. And was there he were, a fancy kind of guy? No, he wasn't a fancy kind of guy. He was. Uh, was it a he? maybe maybe I shouldn't have given you that information yeah you know I shouldn't have said that it was a he was selling he was working at this Blair Metal place I think was the name I don't know how human names are you know they they, 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 they twist the tongue 
<laughs> All right, Navi, you've been a you've been a real good friend. You know, I'm gonna talk to Henlow, make sure that he he pays you. He better pay the invoice. I did the work. No, I feel you, and it ain't cool. You don't you don't hold out on freelancers when they help you out. That's just fucking rude. No, it's rude. So I'm gonna go talk to Henlow. I'm gonna make sure that he gets you that invoice. And you know, thanks for looking out, man. I ain't, I ain't gonna blow up your spot. Thank you. And he like gives you this weird like salute almost and you're like i don't know if that's a dwarf thing or if this is just a weird dwarf and i say he is looking at you kid and then i walk away and then i leave i don't talk to him low fuck narvi um and uh and then i think what i'm gonna do is uh and find me me some bugsy uh well you gotta go okay so you're above ground montage walking through the caves etc etc um, probably not a bright light of day shot since I'm assuming by this point it's probably like six or seven p.m. Yeah. So I, I so I go I basically I go back to because I'm gonna wait for them because we gotta reconvene and, and share information. So I'm gonna go back to the um, hideout and then back into the alley. Um, and and here comes Bugsy. And Bugsy shows up and he's like, "Hey, what's up? Hey, Bugsy, how you doing today? I mean, better than yesterday. Worse than other days I've had. Why? You had anything to eat today? Mm, yeah yeah that don't sound good here I, and I give him a sandwich he takes the sandwich and he eats it as though he was very hungry alright Bugsy here's the deal um, you, have you heard anything about uh, some uh, factory plans being sold you're gonna have to roll again sorry 10 bitches wait am I rolling with anything else or is it just a straight roll um, yeah actually you get to answer you get to ask a follow up question which is the questions under Mine. So that was uh, a... Yeah, so I got a Yeah, so you get to ask uh, a follow-up question. So he stops and he's like, you know, I did hear something about... Uh, I I heard something about there was this guy who was, uh, was working... Who was working for Blair Metal, but he was also one of the anarchists. And he was... He was selling something on the side. You know, he wasn't... He wasn't doing the anarchist bad. He was still... He was still working for the anarchists. He was still, like, trying to organize these workers. But he was also selling these plans to the dwarves. And, you know, you know how the dwarves are. There's a bunch of groups of them, and they all fight like you would not know. And some of those dwarves, I think, and I don't know because this is just something I've heard through the grapevine. But I think that some of those dwarves were actually already working for or with Blair Metal, that company that this that this other guy, this human, this anarchist human was working for, and he's riling the workers up, and he's selling these plans to the dwarves, and then there are other dwarves that are working with this company. It just seems like he was setting himself up for a real bad fall. Okay, all right. See, so, so he worked for the anarchists. And he was kind of, it sounds like he was double-crossing them. I don't know if he was double-crossing the anarchists, but the dwarves, you know, you know, the dwarves have their own things going on and they're, he, he wasn't, he wasn't hurting the anarchists. He was just making some extra money on the side uh, that was going to hurt the company in the end. But the dwarves have their own things going on. And I don't know if this guy factored in for that. Is Am I looking at research? Yes. Okay. You get to ask one of those follow-up questions. All right. So what's the relationship between this guy selling the plans and Blair metal? 
I guess I already know that, don't I? He's yeah. working there. So uh, Wyatt, Wyatt was selling the factory machine plans. Yeah, to the I'm just trying to figure out what to ask because I. Yeah, you. At might, this point, I don't really need to ask anything. I want to go talk to Michelle. I kind of want to talk to her. Okay. Don't um, we all? Hmm. Don't we all? Don't we all? I mean, she does look like Lupita Nyong. Like she's like super hot, really right? Is that the thing? Everyone wants to talk to Lupita. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that might be a good place to end your particular arc. Yeah. Which is great. All right. Let's get back to the speakeasy and see what Charles and Fancy are up to. Uh, so Vex has left y'all. You're left alone in this bar, and I'm ass- you just like one of you has the dossiers on you, and Nancy just decides to pull it out and do her magic. Mm-hmm. Well, we had discussed, um, okay, what are we gonna do when Vex was here, and um, we decided to send uh, Charlie to to talk with Meryl and see if he can get anywhere, kind of like position himself to get a job. Right. So I'll just say like. <clears throat> Fancy, you got those dossiers, right? Oh yeah, and then and we had remembered the name, but we we're like, how 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 can we? And I'm like, well, I'm always in the fancy part of time throwing parties or uh, doing where I get invited to a party and then we decide to have a medium like mess around because that's what rich people do, right? Right? I don't know, but I was like, oh, but I'm gonna take another look at these dossiers because I think there's something there. All right, well, while you do that, I'm going to go see about this Meryl Warwick individual and find out what I can find out from them. All right, and then when Vex gets back, we'll all rendezvous back here. All right. And so so Charlie leaves. Charlie pieces out. Okay, so it says... So I got an 8, 9, 10. Woohoo! I get to ask three questions. Um, so I have, I definitely want to know what secrets and mysteries, um, this object has been privy to as my first question. Um, what's the history of this object and where does this object belong? I think those are all good questions. Not to backseat play. No, you're fine. But... Are you sure you want to ask where does this object belong? Because it is like just a dossier. Like it's not, um, it's not something that he would have had on his person. It's something that he would have just kept at his apartment. So kind of spoiler alert, that object, like where does this object belong is basic. It's not going to get you any new information. It's like, well, on the table in his apartment. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. The other ones seem to just miss the mark to me. That's the only reason. So the questions are secrets or secrets or mysteries. This object has been privy to Mm -hmm. the history of this object. I would consider um, what strong emotions have been, have recently been near this object. Okay. We'll, we'll do that one then. Okay. And those, so what happens, I'm just going to give you the answers to like all of these um, and sort of a, not a montage, but uh, something akin to that. So you pick up these charred sheets of paper and you're looking at them and you're looking at these different names and you sort of have this like flash um, and you are 
inside, like you're looking from Wyatt's eyes. Mm -hmm. You're seeing him as he's writing, like you were inside his, his eyes, his head, as he's Mm -hmm. writing down this information. And what you see is sort of like this fast forward montage of him, like going to work and observing everyone he works with and then going home and writing down this information and then going to Narvi and selling Narvi this information about the machinery plans and then going back to working and it's one of those fast forward montages where it's like you know the sun rising and setting and it's all happening at like 24x speed or something where a day just takes like a minute and you're seeing this over and over again and then it starts to slow down a little bit somewhere, you know, like a couple of months into this montage of like this, the sun rising and setting and this routine that he's going through every day where he's going to work and he's taking notes on his coworkers and he's observing people. And then he's like going to the anarchist bar and talking to people. And then he's going to the, to Narvi, the dwarf. And then he's going back home and taking notes on all of this and taking notes on like how much money he's made and what he sold and where all of these people are and what they're doing. And just this like rapid cycling thing, you get like sort of three months into that And then what you feel is like it starts to slow down and you feel this like gut wrenching sense of betrayal as Wyatt realizes as he walks through a day and he realizes that one of he kind of puts this information together that one of his coworkers, who is someone that he never ever talks to, but whose face he recognizes, he sees him. And then like a couple nights later, he recognizes him at the anarchist bar. And then he sees him at work. And then he sees him talking to the manager at work. And you feel this like gut wrenching sense of betrayal as Wyatt is like, Oh shit. This guy is feeding the management like our information on the anarchists and how we're on the bindle punks and how we're working he's telling them about where we're meeting and why we're meeting and you just like have this like really nauseating that's just like super deep in your gut sense that like where your stomach just drops out and you're like oh no like i can't believe i didn't see this um but you don't like you don't really get this the, the name necessarily but you get this you ju- you just Image. have this yeah yeah you get this sense you you know what this guy looks like um and you feel that and then you you see the, the point of view switches and instead of it being from Wyatt's point of view, it's, like, from the point of view of the actual dossier. So, like, instead of Wyatt's point of view as he's, like, shuffling through these papers and stuff, you're sort of seeing this, like, upward-facing point of view from the dossier as it, like, stares at the ceiling and, like, sort of part of the wall in Wyatt's apartment. And you see these people, these men, come in and you sort of recognize them from the description earlier of they're like they're dressed in like you know almost like a costume of like working class guys like they like 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 you know a work shirt and suspenders and like pants or jeans but like it's all too nice and too crisp and you see them sort of like pick it up like that you know the camera shakes as like 
it, they they pick up the dossier and they look at it and they're talking to each other and they're both trying to figure out what information Wyatt has written down about Blair Metal and about they're trying to figure out if Wyatt has written down any information about the new properties that Blair Metal purchased and what they're going to do with those properties or if Wyatt knows about the if Wyatt knows about Blair Metal contracting Baldwin Feltz and Co. Baldwin Feltz and Co. Um, I, I referenced it in the world building episodes business. That was a long time ago. I will just tell you that Baldwin Feltz and Co. is sort of like it's almost like a corporate military, not quite to that point, but they're like the not hitmen, but like armed guards that the companies hire when mm-hmm. they want to secure something or when they want a job done. So these two, when these two people are talking, you definitely hear like Baldwin Feltz and Co. Um, you hear them talking about properties that Blair Metal has recently purchased. Um, you hear them talking about um, they reference like a property that Blair Metal has recently purchased um, that isn't going to be a warehouse. It's going to be like uh, it's going to be demolished and turned into like condos, um, high end high-end apartments and then you see like from the dossier's point of view you see it being like torn into pieces the camera gets really shaky and then you see it like thrown and dropped into the trash can all from all from like the paper's point of view so it's like all of a sudden you're you're seeing you know the room of the trash can around your edge of vision and the people staring down and then like a match dropping on top of you and then all you can see is flames and then it cuts to black and then like you're back at the bar at the speakeasy right so in that vision i got to see the papers before they were destroyed right like the finish like everything he wrote down you got to see a couple of glimpses of it i wouldn't say enough to like read every single line but you got to see like some glimpses of it is there anything that you that you would like to ask about what you did see well i just um the whole point of going in was to i mean yeah i mean now baldwin fleet uh, and Co. is definitely a place to go, um, but the whole point was going in to see if I could learn more information about Monty and who he possibly was. Is that like the boss of the corporation? Or? So Monty is not connected to Baldwin Feltz and Co. Um, and what you do know about Baldwin Feltz and Co. just from like sort of being around is that they don't really have like a huge office or anything like that. Like they're very. Um, do you know what Blackwater is? I guess I should like. I don't know if Blackwater has a huge office in the U.S., but Blackwater is like um, a not the military military that the U.S. military hires to do the things that they don't want on their hands, basically. Um, and Baldwin Feltz and Co. is kind of like the Blackwater of Serendipity City for the corporations. Oh. So if they if they want to shut some union strikes down, or if they want to shut down some dissent in the ranks, they hire Baldwin Feltz and Co. And those people show up with guns and with billy clubs, and suddenly there's no more dissent. As far as you were curious about Monty specifically, as far as Monty goes, what you can tell is that uh, Monty does not have a connection to Baldwin Feltz and Co. Mm-hmm. Monty has a connection to both the Bindle Punks and Blair Metal. He is seen in these flashbacks from Wyatt's point of view. You see Monty or... I guess he was never identified as Monty, but let's just say, like, you put it together because you rolled well. Um, you you think, like, oh, hey, maybe this guy is Monty. 
you see Monty talking to people at the anarchist bar, and you also see Monty talking to management at the Blair Metal Company. Like, you see Monty talking to someone who seems to be in charge, who's wearing, like, work clothes, but they're also, like, too nice and too pressed and too clean. And you've seen that same... And these flashbacks, you've seen that same person sort of, like, walking around the factory and making sure that that everything is being done the way it's supposed to be done and sort of like shouting orders at random people. So all I was going to say was, so the history, I saw the whole history and I felt the strong emotions that happened near the object um, and the secrets it was privy to is just the Baldwin fleet and the identity of Monty. Yeah, so to like uh, like point blank Some answer up, those yeah. questions, yeah, since, since you rolled like an 11, which is almost as good as you possibly can roll because an actual would be a 12 or I mean you know with the plus anyways that's a really good roll so uh, what is the history of this object like you see it sort of in his apartment and stuff um the secrets or mysteries that this object has been privy to is Wyatt figuring out that Monty is sort of playing both sides as far as the anarchist and Blair Metal go and also um, that Monty has been selling information to Narvi, who has presumably based on, I mean, you wouldn't know this based on, but you yeah. as the character wouldn't know this, but you as the player know that based on Gloria's converse or Vex's conversation, um, Narvi has in turn been selling that to other dwarves. And uh, yeah, the strong emotions that have recently been near this object would be like a very strong sense of betrayal as Wyatt figures out that Monty has been double crossing the anarchists to sell information to Blair Metal. Awesome. But I have no way of contacting Charlie, do I? Nope. You do not have any way of contacting anyone. You have to, since this is pre-everything era, you have to like sit at the bar and wait until somebody comes yeah, back. I don't know any of this shit. Nope. Yeah. I've been thinking about this this whole time. So, yep. sadly, that's kind of what I have to do because he's already being sent and it'll be look, really look weird for me to show up there, yeah. too. Right. Um, just because, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want a job. <laughs> and I definitely okay. really don't look like the working type. So, um, I'm just going to chill at the ball, bar where I'm at um, and think on that and also try to just get some tellings in why wait for everyone else. Go ahead, make money why everyone else is out. So Nancy stays in the bar, she pulls out her tarot deck, she starts shuffling it and looking for anyone who might like a reading. Now let's go catch up with Charles and see what he's up to. So Charles wanted to talk to Meryl. That's right. The manager. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a thing to think about. How are you going to find Meryl? I'm going to go to the place where he works. You're just, okay. Oh, right. Because your whole thing is that you want to get a job from him. Yes. Something like that. I've been thinking about how I'm going to do this. Um, so if Vex is off doing her thing, how do you get there? I believe I can take a cab. Yes. That will cost money. I have money. You do have money. So you pay, I don't know, it would be like relatively expensive, um, not obscenely expensive, but you pay, um, you take a cab ride and you get dropped off in front of this 
metalworking factory. So I basically have to cross the river and make it to the commercial district? Yeah, so you have to make it to the commercial district. The thing is, the thing that I'm trying to roll right now is if you... If you have to roll anything, like, to get inside. Um, because, I mean... So it's it's in the middle of a work day. Or not, like, in the middle. But it's, like, what, four in the afternoon? Probably at this point. Right, but, like... So... Let me try. Let me try the narrative that I think I want to do. Okay. And then we can. And then we can either use it or not. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you. You. You can. So the way that these. The way that this. These game systems are supposed to work is like, uh, the rules fit the fiction. So tell me what you want to do, and I'll tell you what you have to roll, if anything. All right. After I said goodbye to Nancy, I went back to my room and decided to change. I needed to clean up because I was going to go ask for a job. So I put on some neat clothes, something tidy, a tie. I combed my hair. I actually showered. When I moved on, I grabbed a cab. Yes, that cost money. I crossed the river and I went to the commercial district in search of Blair Metal. When I got to Blair Metal, I went to the front and asked the receptionist for... It's a factory. There's no receptionist. Why wouldn't there be? Because it's a factory. Have you ever been to a factory? Yes, have you? Yeah, they still have to accept raw materials. People come in and go, yo, where's the loading dock? They're like, around Yeah, there's back. like a loading dock. There's somebody standing near the door, but there's not like a receptionist receptionist. It's not like... So they're like, there's no secretaries, there's no nothing, so... I guess, okay, sorry, let me think this through. I didn't... When I think of receptionist, I think of like a nice lobby and like a counter. There is not... There is definitely not like a nice lobby and counter. There is someone... Um, there's like a door woman who is standing by the front door, sort of like watching for people and directing them to where they need to go. So sounds like that'll work. Yes. So I guess that's a receptionist in some sense. I did not, when I hear receptionist, I think like fancy receptionist, madman. Yeah. Not like literal receptionist as in your job is to receive people. Right. So I look like a professional who's going to need to speak to a person of importance. So I asked for Meryl Warwick and she motions me to where I must go. Excuse you. You have to. You don't get to. You don't get to dictate what NPCs do. Um, that would be a mislead, distract, or a trick. So you need to roll with mind. Okay. <laughs> Here. This seems like pretty straightforward, though. Like I know the man's name. I know his name. I know. You know but what I mean? like, like, if you show up, okay. So let's say, like, you show up. And you just, like, walk in someplace and you're like, yeah, I need to speak to Meryl. They're going to be like, okay, do you, do you have, have an, an appointment? appointment? And if you say yes, they're going to check the book. She's going to, like, check her steno pad and see, like, if you have something down. And if you don't, and if there's not your name, and you can I mean, yeah. So let's just roll mislead distractor trick and see what happens. Fair enough. But people are, like, fucking dying on this, like, job site all the time. So I feel like they need workers. But that's okay. That's cool. I'm going to roll this. Five, and this is mind. Yes, that's mind. So seven. Okay. Uh, so you get to pick two. You create an opportunity. You expose a weakness or flaw. You confuse them for some time. You avoid further entanglement. So which two do you want? And then let's play the scene. Uh, I'm going to confuse for a moment and avoid further entanglement. Okay. So you walk in the front door. Um, there's like a. Like, not really a lobby, because, again, like, this is not... This is a factory. It's dirty. It smells like butt. Um, There's, like, smoke. There's weird chemical fumes going on. Because, again, this is, like, alternate 1920s. So this is before, like, regulations. So there is someone... There's a woman standing there um, with, like, 
a bob and she's wearing navy blue coveralls and she has like a clipboard and you walk in and she looks at you and what do you say uh i'm here to see meryl warwick please Okay, and she flips through the thing, and she goes, oh, 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 do you have an appointment? I don't have an appointment, but I have some skills that might be necessary at your factory. And she kind of, like, flips through, and she's like, okay, well, he's got, um, he has something in 15 minutes, so you have 15 minutes, go. And she gestures you um, down this hallway, down the hallway, which you, you walk down the hallway, I'm assuming. You don't do anything shady or sneak into any doors. If you do, that's another roll. You walk down the hallway um, and to the right, and you sort of walk out onto this. Uh, you know how there is, you know how there's like an office, sort of not not like a fancy office, but it's like an office. It's like this. It's got extremely thin walls. It's overlooking like a factory area, and behind that there is, or inside that there is a cluttered desk. And at the cluttered desk is sitting a thin, um, sort of beady-eyed looking guy with blonde hair that's slicked back with way too much pomade. Uh, he's got like clothes that he clearly thinks are nicer than they are. They're like it's like when you try to buy like super super nice clothes from Target, and it's like, well, they look nice, but like someone who's if you look closely, you can very much still tell that it's Target. Uh, so it's it, it, it's kind of that situation. Uh, what do you do? So I introduce myself as Charles and nothing more. Okay, he said, hi, hi, how can I help you? And I say, hi, I understand that there are some openings for a position. I could either do general labor and I could also possibly do something more in machining as I have some background in engineering I've worked in a clock-making shop for some time, so I have some I have some understanding in machinery. If you need that as well. Okay. Did you bring? Um, did you bring like? I don't know if they did resumes in the 1920s. Yeah, probably, but I didn't. yeah, like a I card didn't. or something. I just, I just showed up. I'm talking shit. Okay. So he he kind of like eyes you. He sees it's a good thing you cleaned up because he definitely like is clearly sort of looking at your clothes, your demeanor, your general appearance, and he says, uh, "Do you have any references?" Well, yes. Uh, actually, I was speaking to a few of my friends that I met recently, sort of new friends. Um, I wonder if you know them: Rosette, Harlan, Augustine. These names ring a bell. Are they are those good references? Like, do you feel like they told me that this is a good job and maybe maybe I shouldn't use that name? I mean, uh, I don't think we have an Augustine. We have an Augustus. Yeah, they're they're okay. They, you know, they Augustus Augustus keeps to himself, but but he's. He's an okay dude, and uh, they're all hard workers. So uh, if you say you know them, and he kind of like eyes you over again, and he's like, well, "When can you start?" Oh, um, I can probably start tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> this uh, actually, I just remembered one more person that I think uh, you know I talked to about this job. If those those names aren't enough, there's also uh, a gentleman named Newton. I haven't seen him in a little while, but um, he told me that working here was um, uh, what's the word lucrative. You say Newton, and it's like. A shudder comes down on his face. He's like, he is immediately super, not completely shut down, but he is immediately much more wary. He is not a big fan of you mentioning this name, like clearly. And he takes a step back and he crosses his arms and he says, huh, and uh, how do you know Newton? Actually, um, I forgot to ask you a question. How, how much does the, uh, how much does the job pay? If I'm starting tomorrow. He takes a second and he looks at you and he says, uh, I don't know, what would be like appropriate shitty wages, like 20 a week or something? Yeah. Let's go yeah, like 
low wages. Um, not a lot, because again, this is alt 1920s. Companies treat their workers shitty. And he like kind of like he looks at you and he's like, uh, we put we we start people at twenty a week. Great. Um, I'm gonna look over my finances if you don't mind and consider your offer. I'm gonna have to leave now. Thank you very much for your time, Mister Warwick. And he like looks at you and says, "Yeah, have a nice day." And he shuts the door. He doesn't slam the door, but he shuts the door quite firmly behind you, even though it's like this shitty like like uh extremely thin i don't know what the word is that i want but it's like one of those offices that's like you know like walls that are literally two inches thick nearly ramshackle yeah like he just like shuts the door extremely firmly behind you and sort of you can see him if you if you if you happen to look over your shoulder as you're walking back down the hallway you can see him sort of like looking through the blinds at you suspiciously so i found that that whole interaction was extremely helpful and I'd spent a lot of money getting there. So I thought I would spend the rest of my day walking home, <laughs> thinking about this. Hopefully, hopefully, Fancy and Vex have some cool information. I'm just going to walk. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's how we will end this episode. The sun is starting to set because at this point, it's probably like five or six in the afternoon. So the sun's getting low in the sky. We've got some like dramatic lighting catching the dust motes in the air above you as you're walking along this like city street and sort of progressing from north to south. And it's getting more and more ramshackle as you walk by and you're staring off into the distance and thinking and like there's maybe some pensiveness written on your face i imagine probably <laughs> and scene thanks for listening to serendipity city our players today were evan mora jennifer alexander and gloria walker if you want to follow them on instagram or twitter i've put links to that in the episode description along with mine our audio editor is brendan hutchins and you can keep up with him at podcastadvocate.network we're playing a combination of The Sprawl by Hamish Cameron and Urban Shadows by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman, with a few things added in here and there from Dungeon World by Sage Latora and Adam Koble. All of these are hacks of Apocalypse World. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at the links in the description. If you want sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes content, NPCs named after you, or other bonus stuff, make sure to check out the Patreon. The link is in the description and on our site at serendipitypod.com. Many thanks to patrons like Melody Burton for making it possible for me to spend more time on this project. Sound effects and music were a combination of public domain and free-to-use music, with a full track list being found in the episode description, and Battle Bards for sound effects. Our next episode will go up on February 13th. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or telling a friend about us. That's how we find new listeners. Thank you again for listening and have a fantastic rest of your day. That was fun. That was sort of tense, too.